New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support. It is only through a change in human consciousness that the world will be transformed. The personal and the planetary are connected. As we expand our awareness of mind, body, psyche, and spirit, and bring that awareness actively into the world, so also will the world be changed. This is our quest as we explore new dimensions. Our most loving relationships often start at the top of the mountain. They begin with the magic of romance. However, when the veneer of those early beginnings begins to wear thin, tensions inevitably surface. When we find ourselves with potent negative feelings as we react to our partner, we have two choices, to fight and then make up again and again, and again, until all we have left to share are the cold remains of some unresolved pain. Or we could learn how to turn this kind of unpleasant encounter into a whole new kind of understanding, one that both illuminates and disarms the difference between our partner and us before it can escalate into a painful disagreement that no one wins. Some might even say love and relationships are the conscious crucible. So how do we work through conflict in a truly constructive way? How do we go beyond our anger and blame? Today we'll be exploring such questions with our guest, Guy Finley. Guy Finley is the founder and director of Life of Learning Foundation, a nonprofit center for spiritual discovery and the author of more than 45 books on such subjects as relationships, success, addiction, stress, peace, and happiness. He also hosts online courses through Life of Learning's Wisdom School. Some of his books include The Secret of Letting Go, also The Secret of Your Immortal Self, Key Lessons for Realizing the Divinity Within, and Relationship Magic, Waking Up Together, Join us for the next hour as we explore growing a healthy and fulfilling relationship with our guest, Guy Finley. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. I'll be your host. Welcome to New Dimensions. Guy, welcome once more to New Dimensions. (laughs) Thanks, Justine. I'm glad to see you and to be with you again. It's my pleasure and honor to be with you as well. Guy, I would love to to just go back a little bit for, for... listeners who don't know anything about your work, if you could give us um, a kind of thumbnail of your spiritual path and how you became such a a wisdom leader. Well, I I think the simplest answer now that I've been talking about this for like 40 years, uh, I was just born wanting to understand 
life from a place that no one could under no one could explain it to me. I mean, bottom line was, I knew that there were things that were wrong, upset, missing, uh, nonsensical, and that uh, I just wasn't satisfied with the answers that I was given by my peers, my family, everybody else. And it started when I was six years old. So my journey started as a boy. Uh, and then it just grew. I mean, I went through everything that everybody else does in a way. Uh, I, I had a very successful music career uh, for, I don't know, 15 or 20 years. And then uh, sometime, I don't know when it was, actually, in late 70s, I was unable to um, find peace and contentment, having become a very profitable composer and performer. You know, first white soft rock artist on Motown Records, you know. I've got a, I've, there's a trip behind me, but it wasn't the journey that I wanted, or it was a leg of a journey that required... Uh, you know, a sharp right turn. And uh, that's pretty much what happened. And by good fortune, uh, perhaps by fate, now that I look back, I had uh, a, a wonderful encounter with several very illumined men uh, as my journey unfolded, starting at 18 and then later into my uh, late 20s. And uh, it just all led to me wanting to understand with greater clarity the pain and confusion that I could see in the world around me and mostly in myself. So that, and that's really it, Justine. So you've named your, your work, you know, you call it Life of Learning Foundation. I mean, that really describes your whole journey is that you are a lifelong learner. And, and I guess you're still growing and still learning new things. That, that's the beauty of relationships. Life is relationship, period. Everything about every moment, everywhere we are, everything we're looking at, everyone we're talking to, every thought and feeling that's coursing through the body, we are in an endlessly unfolding relationship with life. It is life that educates us by awakening in us certain uh, feelings and, and discoveries, things that we see. And it is that process of life stirring, showing, realizing, and then releasing so that we grow and we grow and we grow. And that's what relationships are for. Relationships are a, a, an instrument of revelation. Once we understand that, then there's no good or bad revelation, an important point. You know, I know that you talk, and now we're getting into relationship, and this is really important, uh, that you talk about how when we're in relationship, one of the things, the downfall, or where the, the tensions, we'll say, in that is projecting on our partner that they're supposed to do things for us, that they're, we, we make these <laughs> expectations that maybe they don't even know about. Can you describe that, how that works? Yes, and the thing that's so important to understand is, is we don't, I don't treat my partner, whether it's you across from the table here or my, my wife or my good friend Chris, uh, we treat everybody according to our understanding 
that you you can't treat somebody other than what the basis of your understanding is. And our basis now as human beings is that life is supposed to ensure I don't get disturbed. The weather is supposed to be a certain way. There's air is supposed to be a certain way. When I go into a restaurant, I'm supposed to have a table. When I'm in the traffic, there's not supposed to be any in front of me. When I look in the mirror, I'm not supposed to have a wrinkle. <laughs> our, our life is predicated on a host of invisible demands that an unconscious part of our nature has placed outside of us. We didn't create these demands, Justine. They have been fomented over time, culturally, religiously, financially, philosophically, so that we walk around without knowing it with like a complete book of how things are supposed to be. And that includes people. So that if you fill in what you're supposed to be in my life, I'm free. I don't have a problem. You step against anything that I expect. You don't give me the right respect. You don't look at me the proper way. You don't smile when I say something funny. We have a problem. But not because of what you've done. But because I've come into this moment of relationship, bearing this these objects of thought that are completely convinced that I cannot be content unless everyone and everything in it is exactly the way that nature imagines it to be. Okay, so what you're describing, uh, there there's an Aesop fable that you describe in the book, Relationship Magic, Waking Up Together. So in this... You're really describing that place that we are often with our partner, the lion and the bull, are, are, are having a fight, and then there's something in the tree. So can you describe <laughs> that? that Because this, this is helpful for people to remember what, what the dynamic is and what's going on. The, the fable is a simple one. A lion and a, and a bull uh, are squaring off over a small patch of water. And both of them want a drink. Sitting in a tree, looking at the lion and the bull about to fight is a vulture. And the vulture is smiling because it's going to win no matter who triumphs in their fight for the water. There's something in us that we're unconscious of that is uh, an attendant in the moment to our relationships with one another. It, if you want to use these words, it profits when you and I fight because that nature in each of us, every time we fight, look, when you, if you argue with somebody, if I argue with somebody, do I start with the idea that I'm wrong? No, no, it's like I'm <laughs> right and I'm going to prove I'm that, right. That's exactly right. I start with the presumption based incidentally on a negative reaction that for the strength of my negativity, I'm feeling towards you that I'm right. And I might even think that I'm negative towards you because of how much I care about you. But it's also, it can be also a fear. You're doing something that's, that's causing me to really shrink in fear because it's something that I'm very afraid of for yes. some reason. So, so, so fear that, can also be there. Of course it is. And what we have to look at here is a certain understanding that this book is intended to convey to everybody. If I love someone, I can't want to hurt them. It is impossible. If I really love someone, 
I cannot want to hurt them. You know, I just had a flashback. What a trip. I should have put it in the book. I had the greatest dog in the world. His name was McKeever. McKeever was a madman, probably because he was my dog. (laughs) (laughs) And I remember one time I was in West Los Angeles, and I was on a certain, I was doing some work at the time, and I had a Jeep, and McKeever went with me everywhere. And I told McKeever, you stay. Do not get out of this Jeep. It was open, and I, I had a good trust. Anyway, I come back, and he's not in the Jeep. And I'm panicked. I love this animal. I go running up and down the streets of West Los Angeles and find him in a shop eating something. He didn't have any money, but he he begged it. (laughs) I have to be careful about what I'm going to say now. I I so lost my temper at McKeever and, and, and swatted him. And I remember as I was doing it, him looking at me, and, and, and I had the greatest shock, Justine. I, I knew that I was hurting the spirit of this animal, and I was powerless to stop myself. This was way, way I mean, oh, I feel still in my teens, you know. I, and I, the point being that when we love something, we're not going to hurt it. When we hurt someone or something because of what happened, it is the vulture in us that is bringing this to bear. It feeds on negativity. It feeds on fighting. So we'll talk more about that in just one moment. I want to remind our listeners that I'm here with Guy Finley. He's a spiritual wisdom leader, and he's the founder and director of Life of Learning Foundation. And his website, if you want to know more about his work, you can go to relationshipmagicbook.com. Or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. You're listening to New Dimensions. I'm here with wisdom leader, founder, and director of Life of Learning Foundation, Guy Finley, the author of Relationship Magic, Waking Up Together. And Guy, we were just talking about this this very vivid and very heartfelt moment when you were with your dog and you you had a realization as you were you were displaying some anger and it was directed towards this innocent dog so please if there's anything else you want to say we can take this and then expand it into our human relationships mckeever is a dog you know he he, uh, somebody he saw something he smelled something and he he's gone that's what dogs do and here i am and ostensibly, out of my love and caring 
for this creature, I heard him. Now, in the world that we're in, that makes sense to us. And I'm saying that as aspirants, men and women, who want to know something of a spiritual nature, we have to understand that when we really care for something, caring doesn't mean that we attack or hurt what we care for because it doesn't do what we want it to do. So McKeever, much to the subtitle of this book, he helped me wake up. That relationship with a dog helped me wake up. I wanted to punish him because of the amount of fear I felt over losing him. The task when a man or a woman, when partners meet, whoever they may be, is to start understanding. You are in my life to help me understand myself. You are a mirror for me. If I can work with you, if I can be with you, you're going to do stuff that's going to rub me wrong. That You can't help it. That's what you are and have become. I am equally someone who does and who has become certain things. And when you bring these two elements together, they are going to create friction. Ordinarily, we blame the friction on our partner. We're looking at a way to use the friction to uh, produce an awakening in us to the parts of us that have come into that moment already ready to be rubbed. Okay, so let's suppose here we are in that moment and we're, we're suddenly finding ourselves blaming our partner for something or angry with them for something. There's some emotion that's negative emotion coming out that we're projecting on our partner because they're doing certain things. So what's the key? What's the turnaround there? What What is your advice of as if we are conscious enough to be aware that, oh, I'm in this negative space, what do we do at that moment when, when if we're lucky enough to be aware? Well, see, that's the first thing. It's so instantaneous, Justine. I mean, I've been working with men and women for almost 40 years, and our instantaneous reaction to someone who has, in one way or other, thwarted our wishes doesn't allow us, as we are right now, to think, gee, you've done this, and now I'm projecting this on you. The instantaneous assumption is that you are at fault for my pain. What we're looking at here is a much deeper understanding. You're not responsible for my pain. You're helping me discover this pain is in me already. Then I understand I need to be in this instant. Maybe, do you know what the the, the root meaning of the word patience is? No. To bear oneself. So is that to reveal oneself? No, to bear To suffer oneself. That's the definition of patience. If we're truly patient, I don't look at you and try to figure a way to escape my pain by changing you. I suffer myself consciously. I don't speak 
the attacking words, the defending comment. I don't come at you with anything. Instead, my attention turns back round into myself. And I realize, in a manner of speaking, you didn't create this conflict in me. You're helping me to see this conflict was spring-loaded. And were it not for you, I would never awaken to the fact that this has been in me for millennia, because in one respect, it has been. So you pointed that out really well in that moment with your dog when you were punishing your dog for leaving the Jeep and you suddenly had a moment, a flash of awakening that it wasn't the dog. Well, unfortunately, it didn't happen while I was doing it. Okay. It was not while I was doing it. I was carried away by a negative reaction. Afterwards, I'm in the Jeep and I'm, and I'm, retrospectively Mm -hmm. looking at this event and realizing there's an incredible contradiction here. I love this creature to death, and yet I just poured out this venom on this poor animal that was just being what it is. How can a man or a woman who loves something or someone pour out that kind of animosity unless they are asleep to the amount of pain they're in already? See, this is the thing, Justine. We, 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 as human beings, we have almost no awareness at all of all of this baggage that we carry with us. These moments in our past where somebody that we loved and trusted, suddenly we see they've betrayed us. We don't know how to deal with that pain. All we know to do is to blame people who betray us, blame people who bring up this pain in us. We're looking at a way to begin meeting life through an understanding where instead of blaming people, we understand you are not responsible for my pain. I'm responsible to be conscious for it and in using the moment to begin to let this thing teach me about what I have brought with me into this moment so that I can die to it, so I can let it go, so I can be released from my past, literally. So there are a couple of things that come up for me. One is when you were in the Jeep and you, you were retrospectively thinking about, oh, this, this didn't feel right, it felt bad, was that something that you then, Guy, were, was, were able to build on? To, did, did that crack open your heart in some way? Ab- that Absolutely. Absolutely. Look, we all have images of ourselves. I mean, spiritual people particularly have these, you know, rather extraordinary images that we have for ourselves. I mean, it's Grandiose. Just a, yeah, it's just a fact because we know so much. But knowing isn't being. And we're talking about a shift where we start to see this contradiction between how much I know about love and how little I'm actually able to give myself up in the moment where that's what love requires. Love didn't require that I punish that creature. Love didn't require that I get angry at the waiter. Love doesn't require that I become impatient with my best friend. Love requires that I see these things in myself, and when they're there, to give them up, suffer myself instead of make you suffer. That's what it means to really awaken to understand you are showing me myself. You're not causing me to experience this. 
And once I start to get that a little bit, there's no relationship you have with anyone anywhere that isn't just like a mirror that you get to see something that you have brought with you from your past into that moment and for the revelation of that moment are invited to release it because you see it no longer serves anything good, including you, let alone those you love. So if you are in conflict with someone, you're having this argument and you're projecting, and then you remember, oh, wait a minute, uh, this is, uh, what am I bringing to it? You, you have this brief moment of ooh, maybe pausing, I think you call it, take a pause. And there's something that you have that you suggest, the, the five words that you suggest. And that's like if, if you're with a partner and they're, they're not getting it at all. They're, they're kind of still in their stew of, of not being terribly conscious of any of this. But you might have a moment of yes. it. And then what are those five words that you share with us? I'll set the stage for it. Oh, please do. All of us know what it's like to go out for a meal with friends. And all of us pretty much know when the ticket comes that we all have a tendency to look the other direction. I mean, because nobody wants to pay everything, but everybody feels like they should. And that, in a way, it's right. Anyway, at some point, someone will say, all right, I'll get this one. And what that means is that I'm going to pay the debt for all that has just unfolded in this restaurant or this place where we shared company and had a nice time. I'm go I'll be responsible for it. What we're talking about in this book, the five words are, this one is on me. This one is on me. Look, you want to be mad at me. I'm not going to return the anger. You want to be impatient. I'm not going to snap back. You want to blame me? I'm not going to defend myself because I'm going to sit here in this moment and understand that love is the answer. Not, not intellectually, not because it appeals to an image or some appearance that I like to portray, but that if I can't accept in this moment the responsibility for whatever is unfolding between us. Look, you, when we're in a fight with somebody, we are 100% sure the problem is their responsibility. You have produced this problem. You have brought this thing to this point where the pain is now speaking for me. There's no such thing as a fight between two people that isn't between the pain that both of them have that's being revealed in the moment by the condition the condition is the gift so that when we say this one is on me, I'm simply saying I have seen enough about myself now to know that if I resist your negativity with my own, we're going to sit here and each of us find the other responsible for this miserable moment. You are not responsible for the misery I'm feeling if I'm miserable, it's because I'm identified with and protecting something in myself that I didn't know was there until you helped me see it. Then you see, you're not my enemy. How can, I, how can my wife be my enemy? How can my children be my enemy? How can anything, to tell you the truth, be my enemy? If I have love, everything about that moment is intended to bring about a transformation and in, in the character of the people involved. If my husband, my wife, my children don't want to change, can't change, I can still do it. 
I can still agree to understand you are helping me discover parts of myself that have been in my way. Then I change, and if I change, you will change because I'm not giving you the same feedback. Now you're left with what you are and get a chance to see that. Then a couple, any human beings in relationship can grow together. I'm here with Guy Finley. He's the author of Relationship Magic, Waking Up Together. And if you want to know more about his work, go to relationshipmagicbook.com. With the purchase of the soft cover Relationship Magic, Waking Up Together, you can also get on the website a free download to accompany this book, The Reading of Relationship Magic by Guy Finley on the website uh, if you purchase the book on the website, or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. You're listening to New Dimensions. I'm here with Guy Finley, and he is the author of Relationship Magic, Waking Up Together. And I want to remind people that on his website, relationshipmagicbook.com, relationshipmagicbook.com. And we're talking right now about that taking, uh, saying, the, the more awake person taking responsibility. And that just reminds me of a series of interviews that we did with Wisdom Leader, who is now uh, deceased, Sir Lawrence Vanderpost. And he said those same words. He said, it's the responsibility for the more awake person to be the expansive one and to say, okay, not not to, to fight. And it, it just reminds me, you have said over and over in the book, we cannot change another. It's not our responsibility to change another. I'd love for you to t- speak about that. Let's look at a simple dynamic between an, uh, a partner's couple. For whatever reason, let's say uh, he comes home from work, you know, probably familiar deal, and he's stressed. Now, he's already in pain. He, he, you know, he's traffic. Uh, the job everybody knows isn't as rewarding as the job used to be. Some of the love buzz, you know, has sort of come off. And he walks in, he's a little bit negative. And maybe he says something. And maybe he didn't know that something happened to her uh, while she was out shopping uh, oh, or at work. Washing you know. machine broke yeah, down. Yeah, whatever it was, you yeah. know. And she's And so instantaneously, he sees something and it sets him off. He says something. He touches in her a pain that she was trying to deal with but didn't know what to do. Now she has someone to blame for her pain. And what you have here is one person pushing to get rid of their pain and pushing against another person's pain. When you push on a sore spot on another human being, That human being only knows how to push back. Now we're not talking about pushing back. 
We're talking about understanding that this pain that I'm in, when you try to change me, to control me, you're actually cementing in me this resistance that I have to anything at all being said about my character. You may have wanted me to be a certain kind of person who, who walks in from home, the office, always happy. Maybe I can't do that, but that's in your mind because if I walked in happy, you wouldn't get unhappy with me. Hmm. Point being this. Now, you say something about, I wish you with this, I wish you with that. The minute that you have done that, you have pushed me into a corner. The corner you've pushed me into is the idea that somehow I'm not what you need me to be. I'm less than I ought to be in my own. And so all I can do is resist and push back. Then I push you into a corner. And the next thing you know, you go. have this pattern where each person is blaming the other for their pain. And here's the main thing. Why is in in my mind that my pain is more important than yours. When we're fighting with somebody, we have no awareness whatsoever that they're in pain because all we see is you as the source of my mm -hmm. pain. If we, it's just a simple thing like that, you know, because it, 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 one day it dawned on me, wh what, why is what I'm suffering over more important than what you're suffering over? Am I a more important person than you? The vulture says I am. <laughs> Yeah. You understand? Yeah. I'm not more important than you are. I'm not more important than any human being. We are human beings, and part of our existence has this pain in it. This pain is not meant to be turned into a sword. It's meant to be turned into a polishing wheel. So that instead of blaming you for my pain, I understand you have helped me understand this pain is in me. Now I have a chance to be responsible for it. So in being responsible, there's another analogy that you use in the book that, I, that really grabbed me. And this is the analogy. Uh, if I'm in this loving relationship, we came together in some sort of mutual attraction and, and love, that, right. that magic elixir. I love the ma word magic in your book, relationship magic, because there is something going on, that glue that brought us together. Brought us together. So here we are. We're in, here's the analogy you use. Here we are. The two of us are in a canoe together, and we're headed for a waterfall that fight that we inevitably have over and over and over again. And I realized, wait a minute, we're going to go over this waterfall and I need to then be the rudder or the, the paddle that, that starts to guide us. If I stop and I take it in myself this one and not is blame on me. you, this yeah. one is on me and just shut my mouth <laughs> or not even do those those other clues where i shrug my shoulders or i i i, yeah, I yeah. fold my arms and i act disapproval that's also like wordless words what's important to understand here is that all of us know the cold shoulder you set me off we fought a hundred times we each have a certain pattern that we follow in, in perpetuity in these fights then one day I realized, you know what? I have had this argument with you, with life, with fear. I've had it a hundred million times. I've never won the fight. 
Oh, right. What a realization. I, 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 in my whole, and the way I know I've never won the fight, I'm back in the ring. And when I actually understand that, I have within me at least an understanding the only real solution here is not the continuity of this moment. It is the cessation of this part of me that wants it to go on. And I just agree inwardly, this one's on me. I will not fight with you. You want to fight with me? You go ahead. I'm not going to fight with you. And here's the point. I'm not going to grin and bear it. I'm not going to be some subtle, uh, you know, uh, uh, what do they call them? Martyr. I'm not the martyr in this thing. What I am is someone who understands my life has been spent in the hands of a nature that talks love, but when the walk time comes, turns into something that wants to punish someone else. Now I'm not going to do that anymore. It's all going to end with me. And to the point, Justine, now I start to understand this nature that all of my life has only found someone and something to blame, and I don't do it anymore. I walk out of the ring. I walk out of the ring. And listen to this. I walk out of it not because I'm a good person. I walk out of it because love has shown me that if I don't walk out of it, love has no chance. You cannot be against something and love it at the same time. It's impossible. If I'm angry, if I'm fighting with someone, if I'm fighting with life, I am against it. You cannot love and be against Love requires seeing the whole of something, including my role in that moment, and then assuming the responsibility. If it weren't for you, I would have never known what an egotistical, self-serving, selfish man I was. I would have pursued the dream instead of understanding the reality of life was bringing me to a release of myself, and I have you to thank for it, but first I had to suffer seeing that. So that reminds me of another analogy in the book, and it's just a real brief one that goes by fast, but I I really liked it. And it was the analogy of the breeze blowing through the trees. Do you remember using that? And I think this is applicable here because we're going to have breezes blowing (laughs) through our relationship. (laughs) And, And so how this gives us a way of holding it if you remember that analogy. I do. It was from a little story uh, based on a conversation that I'd had. And I asked uh, the person, as I do in this book, you know, if d- when the wind blows, for one thing, the wind is intended to help clean the tree. I mean, people don't know that, but how does a tree get rid of old stuff? Storms. Storms serve the tree. Storms in our relationships serve our relationships if we understand their purifying action. In this instance, just because the wind blows doesn't mean the tree's coming up, but the tree is being... the tree's falling over. It's being strengthened. The wind strengthens the root system. The storms in our relationships, if I understand them, strengthen the roots that I have in love allowing me to bear what I must bear for the sake of something greater than myself. Our love is selfish, Justine. Uh, Well, it seems that that's the way it's manifesting, but you're showing us a different path that we can take. Trying to show that there is another way in which we can be together where 
the idea of a relationship, one of my favorite analogies, you go outside on a beautiful day, you're struck by the light, by the mush. We talked about the beautiful mustard coming up, the color, how unbelievably, what, what, what is that at that moment? That mustard is bringing into me an awareness of a quality in myself that wasn't there until the mustard showed it to me. I'm in relationship with something that shows me something about myself that is beautiful. I love the nature, the sequoia, because it awakens in me the sense of strength and toweringness. That's why we love nature. We love others because they help us see things in ourselves that we can feel. Without them, we would never know. It's also true with people who help us see the things we don't want to see in ourselves. They are serving the same purpose. Only we have a mindset that says we're not supposed to have these things in us. Therefore, I have to blame you if you bring it up in me. We're talking about understanding this relationship that love itself has brought about in this creation where everything is revealing everything for the sake of understanding there is a sum greater than the parts. So when I am brought into a moment with you and you bring up something in me I don't like, if that's the case, I'm to thank you for it. Because were it not for you letting me see this in myself, I would never know it was there as a stumbling block in our relationship. It's a limitation. We look at others when we get upset with them because we look at, well, you know, they're limited. They're not able to love the way I love. It never occurs to us that our judgment of a quality in someone else is our limitation, mm. not theirs. Exactly. I, and I'm thinking of the analogy in my own life. In the early years, we're talking about the early 1970s, 73, 74, Michael would push me to go to the interviews and meet all these quote-unquote famous people. And I was kicking and screaming. I would say, no, 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 I'm going to stay home. I don't want to do it. I was just shy. I didn't feel capable or big enough or, or, or uh, the, enough uh, esteem to, to go. But a feeling of being inadequate, and I, yes. Right, and he, but he kept pushing. And now look at me today. Now I'm conducting interviews and doing the whole <laughs> thing. And, and that was the rub that you're talking about. That but is exactly we'll the rub. We'll talk about this in just one moment. I want to remind our listeners, I'm here with Guy Finley. He's the author of Relationship Magic, Waking Up Together. And his website is relationshipmagicbook.com or newdimensions.org. We'll get you there as well. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. You're listening to New Dimensions.
I'm here with teacher and founder and director of the Life of Learning Foundation and the author of many books, including Relationship Magic, Waking Up Together, Guy Finley. And Guy, you talk about the ABCs of relationship. This is like an easy one to remember, ABC. So can you describe what you're talking about there? Everything that we've looked at is summarized by the ABCs. A, don't argue. Arguing, we're taught in this world that arguing leads somewhere. Arguing starts nowhere and goes nowhere. This one's on me. I would prefer to discover the truth of myself than prove that you're responsible for my pain. The B, A, B, don't blame. Good heavens. How much longer are we going to spend in this body, on this planet, finding people and problems to blame for our own pain? Don't blame other human beings. In the moment where you feel the blame, bring your attention back into yourself. And again, this one's on me. I'm going to use the rub to be released from this nature that's caught in the conflict. And see, no coercion. Good heavens, man. If you could change your partner or anybody, mom, dad, family, friend, whoever, if you could change them, you would have changed them a long time ago. Stop trying to change others. Physician, heal thyself. That's the task. Don't coerce. And we're so, we're subtle masters at it, Justine. Coercing people to be and do what we want them to be and do. Why? So that I don't get negative. We don't want to be individuals who anymore look at people and say, you have to be like this so I can be like I imagined myself. Instead, we're going to work together. You'll help me discover myself. And by the way, complete my true self through the through this love that allows me to see what it does. Now, the last part of this. This is not easy stuff. It isn't. Even if you've recognized in the small way how futile it is to, to carry forth this blame and anger business. If you try it, you're going to fail. You will not succeed. I'm just saying it now. You'll, if you work at this, you'll see it. Why? Because we are so used to this fail-safe, to this instantaneous knee-jerk action. But with this new knowledge, you'll be able to see the old understanding at work. And that's the key. Because little by little, if we intend to let love be the answer, we will see where love isn't. And when we see where love isn't the answer, we'll begin to understand what I finished this book with, a little story, a true story about standing in line at a grocery store. And everybody's impatient because some of the, the gal's taking forever checking everybody out. And the murmuring starts and the blaming starts. Finally, when I got up to the point, I said, look, let, let's just take a deep breath here. It's okay. Everything's fine. I'm sorry for the commentary on the part of the people. And she said, thank you so very much. She said, I'm in training. Now, when people complain about somebody who's training in training at the cash register and she feels their negativity, does she become a better cash register person or a worse cash register person? She becomes worse because she starts to resist them. When I look at you and I 
blame you for the pain I'm in. You feel my state. You then, this nature, resists my state, and now you're locked in the idea that your state is the right one because it's resisting mine. Two negatives do not make a positive. Two wrongs don't make a right for those of us that are old enough to remember it. But to realize that, look, I'm in training. I'm a human being who wants to understand this journey that love has put me on. And in the end, the whole thing is the journey of love. It really is. I was going to call the book the uh, Relationship Magic, The Endless Journey of Love, because what are relationships other than a ceaseless revelation of our own nature? To what end? So that that thing can be integrated and transformed and ultimately changed to such a state that we're no longer who we were in the moment where we've been shown what we were. So, Guy, I remember in my life something that happened. It was a time like some colleague had written an email, and I, I remember sitting there at my computer just, and I composed a, a fiery email back, just like, just blister right back, just like, what at? <laughs> and it might have been... Right after, and you may have been an earlier interview that we did with you, yeah. and and there are some words that came to me, and I think they were from you. And what the words came to me before I hit that send, send button, button yeah, yeah. the words that came to me are, what would love do now? That phrase, what would love do now? I erased that email, and it was never sent. And and then afterwards, I got this other email back from this person, and they said, oh, I'm really sorry for that last email. I was really upset about this and this and this, and and it had nothing to do with you, and I'm here's where we... I, I was so grateful yeah. that I paused, and I didn't go send and just escalate this whole thing. That is it. That is it. When we don't punish someone, we are essentially helping them see that what they want to punish us for isn't real. So revenge just doesn't work, does it? Well, look, um, if I punish you and you punish me and we're punishing each other back and forth, we're sitting there, both of us, sure that our pain is produced by the other person. But what if we understand it isn't your pain, it isn't my pain, it is our pain? Love has brought us together for the purpose of helping us discover through each other how we can become more whole, better, truer human beings. So I just kind of see us in relationship like we live in an oyster shell, <laughs> and, and that's our relationship. And then there's that irritating sand that is making the pearl within that it shell. It seems to be. It, it, look, the, in the book, I, I say you don't know it, but your partner, whoever it is, is a secret agent sent into your life for the purpose of helping you see what no one else is going to help you see. And when you love somebody... You stay with them in spite of the fact that they're doing all this because love holds you together so that out of that irritant, out of that grain of sand, a beautiful pearl of true value can be born. Then you have something that no one else can have, beginning with this understanding we've been talking about. Exactly. I, I can see that. I can see that. That pause, you use the phrase, um, 
your spiritual alarm clock. You know, like, I, I love that phrase, like, okay, let, let's say that alarm goes off, just like a burglar has entered the premises. And the vulture has the landed. The vulture has landed. <laughs> yeah. Okay, and that alarm, that spiritual, what, what do you mean by spiritual alarm clock? Just what you said. If I'm, if I'm, let's say I'm at a table with a group of people, and everybody's having a bang-up time, and somebody says something, maybe it's passive-aggressive. This is the point. It doesn't matter what other people are doing if I become the instrument of some unconscious state. My task is to be present enough to myself to use your pointed comment to free myself from the, po the button that you've just hit. If I do that, then in that moment where ordinarily would come the retort, the response, the sarcastic remark, that's the spiritual alarm clock. My awareness of instantaneous resistance teaches me, listen, this is a moment of revelation. Don't turn it into a fight. Use the moment to release yourself from these parts of yourself you weren't aware of. The alarm clock just brings me into the moment where I can see it. So that doesn't mean that we can't stand up for ourselves and... and Glad you brought that up. Glad you brought that up. No. In fact, I, I go to great pains in this book. We are not saying under any circumstances, allow people to abuse you. But you have to know the difference. Many of us have been in relationships and remain in them that are abusive. And we do so because we think it's out of love. It is not out of love that we stay and enable other human beings. It's out of a form of self-love we don't recognize as such. So no, do not allow anyone to abuse you. But as best you can, use everything to see, listen to this, the parts of you that are abusing you when you want to hurt somebody else. You cannot hurt another human being without having first hurt yourself. It's impossible. It's impossible. That means that God, the divine, call it what you will, has given us an instrument, a mechanism by which we can recognize through that alarm clock that I can't serve you a dish if I haven't tasted it myself. And if it's bitter, I shouldn't give it to you. And that's the only way I can know it's bitter is by tasting it myself first, being present to myself first. Well, well you've said a lot in this hour. We've, we've just, you've given us a lot to chew on and a lot to help us expand our own awareness. I want to thank you so much, Guy, for being on New Dimensions today. It's so good to sit here across the table from you again, the, Justine. Thank you. Thank you. My pleasure as well. And I want to remind our listeners that Guy Finley is the author of Relationship Magic, Waking Up Together, as well as many other books. And if you want to know more about his work, you can go to his website, relationshipmagicbook.com. And there you'll find... Uh, that you can download a free audio book of this book with the purchase of the soft cover Relationship Magic Waking Up Together. And also there will be boneless gifts such as a live stream webinar, which uh, starts in late October. If you go to the website, it'll give you all the details. And you can plug into that live stream webinar at your convenience. So that's... Uh, relationshipmagicbook.com, or you can go to the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org, and get there as well. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. You've been listening to New Dimensions. This is program number 
3651. New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. You can also subscribe to our free weekly podcasts and find over a thousand hours of audio dialogues in our searchable archive. New Dimensions is produced by New Dimensions Radio in Santa Rosa, California, USA. Our executive producer is Justine Willis-Toms. Our post-production editor is Lou Judson. This program was recorded at Strawberry Hill Productions, a full-service podcast production studio in Novato, California. We sincerely thank all of you who have supported us by being members of Friends of New Dimensions, as well as members of our affiliate stations. My name is Dan Drayson. On behalf of everyone at New Dimensions, whose endeavors make this program possible, I'm wishing you well. New Dimensions Radio is an independent producer supported by listener contributions. To find out more about the program you've just heard, to subscribe to our free weekly newsletter and our New Dimensions and New Dimensions Cafe podcasts, and to access thousands of other programs in the New Dimensions archive, please visit our website, newdimensions.org. That's newdimensions.org. Or call us at 707-468-5215. That's 707-468-5215. Please join us next time as we explore New Dimensions. Thank you.